0: Welcome to Full Disclosure, a podcast to provide legal information and updates to individuals, businesses, and business advisors in South Australia. This podcast is brought to you by Mellor Olson Lawyers, a full service South Australian law firm. The information, opinions, and advice in this podcast are for general information only. In today's episode, we're going to be joined by Adam Crichton. Adam is a senior associate at Mellor Olsen Lawyers and specialises in employment law. Welcome Adam.
1: Thank you Lucy, pleasure.
0: Let's get into the serious stuff Adam, obviously with JobKeeper coming to an end, we're going to see businesses unfortunately have to possibly reconsider headcount um, in order to save costs. In turn I guess this is going to have a significant effect on employers and employees. Should we have a little chat about that
1: sure uh, i mean you're right it, it is it's going to have a big impact um, many businesses essentially stayed afloat because of the job keeper scheme um, not only the the payments received but also the other elements of the scheme that they were allowed to um, do such as stand down directions and that's going to be significantly impacted with JobKeeper coming to an end the most Obvious ways in which it is going to have the impact is stand-down directions um, will cease. That will also potentially result in redundancies and possibly unfair dismissals.
0: Okay, so can we discuss for a few minutes stand-down directions and I guess how is it defined? What does it mean? I mean, sure. we, you know, we've heard these things thrown around quite a bit over the last, you know, yep. couple of months, but I think it'd be really good for our listeners to have a good understanding about how you can actually
1: define it? Sure. Well, essentially a stand-down direction is a direction from the employer to the employee to not turn up at work. And that is because there's no work for them to do. Um, The difference between a stand-down direction and simply just directing someone to stay away from their workplace is under a stand-down direction they're not paid. If you're issued a direction to stay away from your workplace more generally, you're still paid. So, the stand down direction comes under usually the Fair Work Act. That's the piece of legislation that governs most people's employment. There are provisions which allow an employer to stand down employees, but they're very rigid, very difficult requirements are prescribed, and in most instances, businesses don't reach the requirements to provide such a direction. So, the difference. with the Fair Work Act stand down provisions and what JobKeeper enabled was that JobKeeper, uh, the scheme included provisions which created greater flexibility for businesses to issue a stand down direction without needing to meet those requirements under the Fair Work Act. So those directions could be to reduce hours, reduce working days, or indeed stay away from the workplace entirely. Uh, and it didn't need to meet the high standard that the Fair Work Act prescribes.
0: So that's ended?
1: Yep, that's gone.
0: Okay, so if employers need to keep staff on reduced hours or reduced days or because their workplace hasn't recovered from COVID, I know that we're on our way, but we're certainly, in some industries, not back at capacity. Um, Now that the JobKeeper-enabling stand-down directions have ceased, what options do they have?
1: Well, it's a difficult one for employers uh, because if they um, no longer have the uh, ability to stand down employees under the Job Keeper Scheme, they default back to requiring the Fair Work Act as their authority to stand down employees. The issue, as mentioned before, is that there are very strict and rigid um, conditions that need to be met in order to issue such a direction. If employers haven't recovered fully um, and they therefore can't afford to have their employees return to work on their ordinary, normal hours, Mm -hmm. if you like, we can call it the pre-COVID hours they would have worked, Um, then one of the options that may be available to them is to request that staff continue to work reduced hours or reduced days. Um, Employers can always request it, but they will no longer be able to require it and so that's a a critical difference. If the employees don't agree to it and don't consent to continue working reduced time, then the only option for the employers, if they can't satisfy the Fair Work Act, is redundancies.
0: Right, so what is required to be satisfied before a stand-down direction can be given?
1: Well, there are uh, essentially three key points in the Fair Work Act. that need to be satisfied by an employer uh, for a stand down to be valid. Number one is that the employee or employees cannot usefully be employed and that's either because of industrial action or it's because of a breakdown in machinery or equipment and the employer can't be held responsible for that or most importantly for this purpose because of a stoppage in work that the employer can't be held reasonably responsible for.
0: So what do you think are some of the difficulties that employers are about to face?
1: Yeah, Well the most critical one is under the Fair Work Act what's relevant for here is the stoppage of work requirement. Now the Fair Work Commission has been quite clear uh, in its interpretation to say that that includes a, a complete stoppage of work. It's not a simple reduction in business, it's not reduced orders or less productivity it's a complete stoppage of work. The other element which is critical is that the Fair Work Act provisions for stoppage of work is considered what you'd call all in. That is to say it's not a, you can't issue the stoppage for two days a week and the employees work the remainder of the week. Is It's a complete stoppage that requires the employees to be away from the workplace until they can be returned to their ordinary hours. Okay. So it's a complete uh, stoppage that's required. That's going to be difficult for many businesses to, to if you like, meet that standard. Um, many are going to have significantly reduced um, work. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, orders or, or production or whatever it is that they may be dealing with may be significantly impacted, but it's not a complete stoppage.
0: I'd imagine that tourism would fall into that category. We yep. haven't got international travellers coming back yet. You know, we have had, um, you know, Inabilities to travel from interstate. So I'd imagine as an industry, you know, yep. they require everybody to come back to work, yep. but potentially the work isn't
1: That's as high right. demand as before. That's right. That's the classic example is there's been no international travel, uh, substantially for 2020, no interstate travel, but many tourism businesses would still be operating on intrastate travel. And so it's not a complete stoppage of work. Now. Many of them would have relied on JobKeeper enabling directions. They would have issued directions to staff to work reduced hours or reduced days or for some staff that would have been complete stand down. That's no longer available and so those staff are entitled to return to work with their ordinary hours but still with no international travel and potentially limited interstate travel it's not going to be something that employers can afford to have all their staff on.
0: So. Are we looking at, given the fact that, you know, a stand-down direction is no longer a possibility, in those instances, um, potentially, you know, the big word.
1: The R word.
0: (coughs) But are we looking at
1: redundancies? Yeah, we are. That's, in many instances, the only available option to a number of businesses that can't otherwise afford to keep operating. Um, As mentioned before, There is the ability to request that staff work reduced hours or reduced days, but if that's not agreed to, then in terms of managing your workforce and ensuring the viability of your business, there are going to likely be redundancies.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute if we can. Let's talk about redundancy. What do employers need to do to ensure redundancies are implemented in an appropriate way in accordance with the Fair Work
1: Act? So there are some requirements that that employers are going to have to follow for a redundancy to be considered genuine. Uh, Now, one of those is consultation with employees. Um, The Fair Work Act requires that the requirements for consultation in awards or enterprise agreements are adhered to. All modern awards and enterprise agreements have consultation requirements for any significant changes which includes redundancies. Um, so employers are going to have to make sure they stick to the, re- the requirements that the awards provide in terms of consulting with their employees uh, and and considering uh, options for them.
0: So consultation, redundancy is actually a two-way conversation between an employer and an employee, yep. and I didn't know that. Yep. I just thought it was maybe just, you know, here's a letter, off you go. What is considered a minimum standard of consultation?
1: Yeah. Well, there's no one size fits all. So that's an important consideration. Um, it's going to depend on the particular circumstances. But there are some general guides for your minimum standards. So, one is that those employees who are likely to be affected by the proposed change uh, need to be informed of it. Um, informed, and, it, and that's not informed over a coffee in the kitchen, but that's formally given notice of what the proposed change is and importantly, what impact it's expected to have on their employment. Um, Then in addition to that, it's providing them with an opportunity to actually have that conversation and that discussion and put forward any other options, um, any other alternatives that they may have and giving reasonable consideration to those alternatives. It also involves discussing with them the other options that were considered to minimise the negative impact on their employment. Okay. So,
0: as I understand it, with the redundancy, that role can no longer exist. That's right. So, no longer, there's no requirement for this position within this organisation in the immediate future.
1: That's right. And so, the redundancy (coughs) in that sense, it's not dependent on the characteristics of the person who holds the position. It's that the business no longer needs that position to be performed by anybody. Do you need to
0: try and find a role for that person elsewhere within the business? Yes,
1: that's that's a critical element to a redundancy being considered valid or genuine, is that you've given reasonable consideration to whether they can be redeployed, not only within your immediate business, but also any related entity. Now that's going to be critical for any bigger businesses that might have any number of related entities. You're going to have to give consideration to whether that person can fill a role, in a related entity based on their own skills and experience and so forth.
0: Can it be at a lesser pay level, can it be at reduced hours, but we've still had an opportunity to find them employment elsewhere?
1: yep yeah, so in those circumstances, putting that as an option to the employee is important because it needs to be then the employee's choice as to whether they're willing to accept that or of not. of the
0: consultation? That's right. Okay, I think I'm starting to understand that. Excellent. Um, Are employees entitled to certain payments?
1: Yes, in most cases.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Most of the time, uh, you'll have employees, uh, if made redundant, they'll be entitled to notice of termination of their employment, also what's often called severance pay or redundancy pay, and then they're also entitled to have their accrued annual leave and long service leave paid out. There are instances in which employees who are made redundant, unfortunately, are not entitled to the redundancy or severance pay. And that can include uh, if they're an employee of a small business, mm-hmm. um, which is defined in the legislation to be less than 15 employees. Um, or otherwise, if they've uh, worked for the employee for less than 12 months, they're ordinarily not entitled to uh, redundancy or severance pay. But it is also important that employers understand what their requirements to pay out are and where they're found. So in most cases, that will come from the National Employment Standards, which are outlined in the Fair Work Act. What they say are minimum standards of how many weeks pay you're entitled to, based on how many years of service you've given. But there may be, for example, an employee's contract which provides more generous payout provisions. Employers really need to be across what it is that they have to pay out. Mm
0: -hmm. So are there any provisions? What if, you know, we're seeing some businesses that really are struggling as we're coming out of this pandemic um, and, you know, finding it difficult to provide employment, but also to meet the needs of their creditors and so on and so forth. What if the employer just can't afford to pay out the full redundancy
1: there are provisions in the fair work act that allow an employer to make an application to the fair work commission and they can essentially ask to have the amount of redundancy pay reduced so that doesn't impact on accrued leave entitlements um, or usually notice of termination but you can seek permission from the fair work commission to Uh, pay less than what the minimum standards require. It's important to note that whether that application is granted or not is within the full discretion of the Commission. So they will assess it based on the merits and determine, number one, whether they'll allow you to pay less and how much less. Um, There's not any established sort of guiding principle or prescribed principle that they work to it's based on a case-by-case scenario. There have been cases um, that have come before the Commission dealing with that very topic um, and the Commission has um, essentially gone either side of it. In some instances they've said no you haven't met a standard which we're going to accept to reduce payments and in others they've said it's appropriate in this circumstance. The
0: process for that, does yep. somebody need to appoint someone like you as an employment lawyer to assist them with that process or can you go to the commission just as a general you you, know, businessman?
1: You can make the application yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing that prevents you from doing so. It would certainly uh, be a much uh, easier, smoother process if you engage somebody who deals in the area mm-hmm. and therefore knows you know, what to do, what the process is and how it will run.
0: Okay. So I guess with an expected increase in redundancies, because we've lost our stand down enabling directions, you know, maybe our only option is a redundancy, I'm assuming that there's undoubtedly going to be a correlation with maybe some unfair dismissal claims, um, and maybe that's a lack of understanding, or maybe it's just that people haven't, neg- you know, navigated their way through it appropriately. Is there anything that employers can do to prevent, I guess, an unfair an unfair dismissal application?
1: No, is the short answer. Okay. Um, there's no means by which the employer can ensure that an unfair dismissal application is not made. That's entirely up to the employee who has lost their job. What employers can do is ensure that the process that they follow, their procedures, the... the in, sticking with the award for consultation requirements gives them the best chance to respond to an application if and when it comes. Um, That's the most you can do is set yourself up to be able to defend an application. Uh, There's nothing an employer can really do to prevent an application being made.
0: So a bit of a checklist for the employer. The job's no longer required. That's right. it's, it's a redundancy essentially you yep. know making sure that they've asked themselves was the consultation adequate yes. um and was there a consideration for redeployment elsewhere in the organisation
1: that's right in these instances where the termination of employment is going to result from a redundancy they're the key questions that are going to be asked that an employer will need to be prepared to answer mm-hmm. um yeah so if there's uh, consideration given to redeployment and there was no redeployment offered, why not? Um, uh, Whether is that job required to be done by anybody or is this being used as a means to essentially terminate a poor performer? Those questions are the sort that will be asked um, and if they can be adequately responded to and the redundancy is genuine, that's the basis on which an employer can respond to an unfair dismissal application. And
0: I guess the flip side of that is if an employer is an employee is thinking, have I been unfairly dismissed, work through those checkpoints. If your employer has provided those things, it may not be something that you you want to pursue.
1: That's right. And the best thing I could say for either the employee or the employer is, pick up the phone and have the conversation with somebody who knows the area and works in it and can give you advice on that.
0: Quick advice. Um, I guess obviously um, JobKeeper has come to its conclusion and some industries, we're very aware, have not fully recovered. Um, And tourism, obviously, we used that example earlier, we're not certainly um, sure yet what initiatives the government are going to throw out there whether yep. there's going to be grants and loans and that sort of stuff but with the information that we have at hand this is really i guess the options for employers yep. in other industries that aren't necessarily deemed to have you know re- you know yep. not recovered yep. um but for for general business that um isn't necessarily affected by yep. demand um you know this really is what they need to be doing yep. in order to, I guess, consider reducing their headcount.
1: That's right. I mean, there's um, all sorts of businesses are going to have to manage their workforce. It is unfortunate that in some instances that will require a reduction in headcount. For others, they may be able to ha- get agreement with their employees to continue to reduce uh, work reduced hours, um, but in, in any form these are the considerations that they're going to have to take into account. Um, that and certainly now that JobKeeper is no longer available, they can't issue directions. Um, to We're the same back extent. to the Fair Work Act. That's right. And so you can request, but not require.
0: Request, but not require. Yeah. Well, Adam, I think that's a great note for us to end on. Um, I'd really like to thank you for your time today. Sure, no um, obviously, we hope that all those businesses or individuals out there. Um, are able to push on and and jump out the other side of this, but if anybody does need any employment advice, obviously we can find um, more details about Adam Crichton at molawyers.com.au. Thank you, Adam. No problem at all. The information in this podcast is general in nature. For podcast terms and conditions, or to find out more information about Adam Crichton or Mellor Olsen Lawyers, visit molawyers.com.au.